thank you all for being here. I'm just going to jump right into this sermon. And uh, I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Song of Solomon. All right? Song of Solomon. I know we have a work day coming up. I don't know the date, so that's why I just... Song of Solomon. <clears throat> so last night I was just, uh, I was going over, you know, what, what, Lord, what do you want me to preach? And kind of my, I'll just kind of let you in uh, to my process. I usually have like a hundred sermons in my notes, like just, they're just there. And typically I'm like, all right, Lord, I kind of feel a word for the house. Is this from you? He's like, this is the word. And then I just kind of hone it down on Saturday. Last night I just sat down and I started reading Song of Solomon. And I I could not help but just weep reading this and thinking about the love that God has for us. How many have read Song of Solomon before? There's no shame, but have have you read Song of Solomon before? It It is the most romantic book in the Bible. It is romantic. And it is written from the bride, from the groom to the bride. It is written from Jesus, from his heart, to his heart for the bride, which is what? All right, I'm just gonna... Who is the bride of Christ? We are. So the Song of Solomon, I believe, and I, I, Brian, um, uh, brain dead, Brian Simmons, who, who translated the Bible, uh, he's a Bible translator, and he has the Passion Translation, and the Lord told him that he wanted him to translate the Bible from the passion that God has for us in his love. And he feels, Brian Simmons feels, and I agree with this, that the Song of Solomon may be the most important book in the entire Bible because it describes how God feels about us. It describes the absolute passion and love and affection that burns inside of him for us, his bride. And that when we respond to him, we have the same passion, love, and, and affection for him that he has for us. And so what I wanted to do today was to read, starting in chapter two, just some of this. And I don't know where this is going to end up, but my prayer is that you would be ignited with passion for God today. That he would stir up the embers and the places in you that may be dead or quiet. That he would stir up a love affair with God. Amen. And I just want to pray. Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this house, for what you're doing. And God, we ask that you would anoint me to bring your word. Let me say the things I need to say and anoint our ears to hear that it would produce fruit, uh, a fruitful, loving relationship in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So Song of Solomon chapter two, and I'm just going to start reading it. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation specifically because I want it to be the most romantic it can be. And this is the best translation for that. So I am truly his rose. This is the, the Shulamite woman. Now in the first chapter, she was a woman who felt ugly. She felt betrayed. She felt like the sun had dried her up, that she, her years of fruitfulness were gone and that she was no longer wanted by anyone. And so this story is basically a Shulamite woman who feels unattractive, who feels unlovely, who feels rejected by everybody. And there's a conversation between she and the king, which represents Jesus. And then there's also conversations in there between she and other brides-to-be as you read through this. And that's what the story is about. So as she's talking, she says, I am truly his rose. The very theme of his song, come on, she's realizing who she is. She says, I'm overshadowed by his love and it's growing in the valley. And then the shepherd says, the king says to her, yes, you are my darling companion. All right, come on. Are y'all there? Read along with me. This is, uh, pull your phone out, passion translate. You are my darling. 
You stand out from all the rest. Now get the context. She feels hidden. She feels ugly. She feels old. She feels used up. She feels unfruitful. She feels unacceptable. All of these things. And he's saying, you stand out from all the rest. You are not like all the others. For though the curse of sin is around you and surrounds you, still you remain pure as a lily, even more than all of the others. And then she responds. It's written like a, a, a conversation. It's like a text message. Here we go. Song of Solomon is a text conversation between the Shulamite woman and the king. And she says, my beloved is to me the most fragrant of apple trees. He stands above the sons of men, sitting under his grace shadow. I blossom in his shade, enjoying the sweet taste of his pleasant, delicious fruit, resting with delight where his glory never fades. Suddenly, he transported me into his house of wine. He looked upon me with unrelenting love divine. Come on, is this not awesome? You're like, well, this is like kind of kind of crazy, right? Some people want to read this in the church because like it's too romantic. I'm like, this is where we should talk about romances in the church. All right. This is a picture of God's love for us. Absolutely. She says, revive me with your raisin cakes. Refresh me again with your apples. Help me, uh, help me and hold me for I am lovesick. This woman who felt unattractive, rejected, is now falling in love with someone who says, you're the best. There's no one like you. And she's falling in love. She says, I am lovesick. I long for even more. Yet how could I even handle more? His left hand cradles my head while his right hand holds me close and I am at rest in his love. And then the king says to her, promise me brides to be by the gentle gazelles and the delicate deer that you'll not disturb my love until she is ready to arise. It's beautiful. Man, this is beautiful. And she says, listen, I hear my lover's voice. I know he's coming to me, leaping with joy over the mountains, skipping in love over the hills that separate us. You know that song we sing, there's, there's no wall. He won't kick down, no lie. He won't tear down. This is the love God has for you. If you don't take anything out of today, I want you to hear how he feels about you. It's really, really important. If you don't believe what he believes about you, then you'll believe any lie. You'll believe the loudest lie or you'll believe what the most important person in your life says about you. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you will believe any lie. You will believe the loudest lie and you will believe what the most important person in your life says about you. But if you know who you are in him, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. You'll begin to say, I'm his and he is mine. You'll begin to respond the way she does here. And she says, <clears throat> let me describe him. He's graceful as a gazelle. He's swift as a wild stag. He comes closer even to the places where I hide. You can't hide from his love. Some people try to run and hide from God's love and hide from his presence, but you can't hide from him because he's so persistent. He's so in love with you that he will go to any place to find you. He gazes into my soul. How many have ever felt that from God before? That like he's looking just like he sees me. Like, oh my goodness, he sees me and he knows me and I'm aware now that he sees me because I see my reflection in and I see him gazing deep into my soul. That's how he is with us. He peers deep through the portal as he blossoms within my heart. Oh my gosh. The one I love calls to me 
And then the bridegroom says, arise, my dearest. The king says to her, hurry, my darling, come away with me. I have come in as, as you have asked to draw you to my heart and to lead you out. Did you know that when you ask him to come into your life, when you ask for his presence to come, he always shows up every single time. He will not reject you. Would you say that? He will not reject me. I want to say that again. He will not reject me. For now is the time, my beautiful one. The season has changed. This is where I, where I really wanted to start digging in. Would you say that with me? The season has changed. The season has changed. Oh, say it like you mean it. The season has changed. It's a different season. The bondage of the barren winter has ended. The, the winter has passed. We sang it a few weeks ago, dance with me. Behold, you have come over the hills. That's what this, song, this, this was from here. The winter has passed. The springtime has come is what she's saying, he's saying here. The season of hiding is over and gone. Some of you who have been hiding, trying to hide, it's no longer time for you to hide. It's time for you to awake, awaken to the love of God and to arise and to shine. Come on. The rains have soaked the earth and left them blossoming with flowers. Come on. The season for singing and pruning the vines have arrived. I hear the cooing of doves in our land, filling the air with the songs to awaken you and to guide you forth. Do you understand what's going on here? She even says in chapter one, I am dried up and unfruitful. I have been baked by the sun and I'm unattractive. And he's saying, no, you're not. You're the most beautiful. You're the best. There's no one like you. And then he's saying, I love you so much, I will go to any length to find you. And then when I find you, you're going to allow me to enter into your heart and you're going to come alive again. The winterness, the winter time, the barren season, that dry season that you were in is going to shift because of our relationship, not because a word that is spoken over you. I want you to hear this, okay? A lot of times when we go through seasons and we go through times, we want someone to prophesy something over us. How many like to get a good prophetic word, right? I'm going to start getting group participation, all right? I feel like I'm working way too hard. Talking. <laughs> it's real hard work, right? How many of you ever just, man, if, if I could just get a good prophetic word, if I could find a good scripture, do you not understand? We don't necessarily need another scripture. We don't necessarily need another prophetic word. We need him. We need him. We need to become intimate with him. We need a relationship with him because that's the only way I can discern the prophetic word. That's the only way I can actually respond to the scripture that he speaks to me. Like, I, I, it's not a fortune cookie. It's not, it's not, oh, shift my season with a fortune cookie. It's, he's saying, no, I want to enter into your heart. I want to enter into an intimate relationship with you in, inside of your heart so that you blossom from the inside out. That's what we need from him. Can you not discern, he's saying, can you not discern the new day of destiny breaking forth around you? I want to say that over you. Can you not discern the new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The, the vines are budding with new life and they're blooming everywhere. The fragrance of flowers whisper. There is change in the air. 
He says, arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove. I have hidden you in the rock. Come on. It was I who took you and hid you up on high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and lovely your voice in prayer. Now listen, here's where I want to pause for a moment. Verse 15, chapter two, would you read it with me? You must catch the troubling foxes. Some translations say the small foxes. You must catch the troubling foxes, these sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our vineyard and, and our, uh, our vineyard of love to ruin what I have planted in you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? And then he says, here, we'll catch them together. I want to stop for a moment. I remember my dad years and years ago. He said, it's the small foxes that spoils the vine. It's not the big things that would come in and destroy our relationship with God. It's not like someone one day is in right relationship with God, and then the next day they go and murder someone. There are small foxes. There are small things that come in along the way that seem to, to go unnoticed at times. We're, we get really good at looking for the big things like, oh man, we need to focus in on this big thing because it's out there. It's really ugly. Or typically we manifest something really ugly with other people and we're like, oh yeah, that was ugly. I didn't know that was there. But then sometimes those little sly, small foxes stay hidden and they know how to hide from us. And the bridegroom is calling to her and saying, hey, would you please take care of those small foxes? Would you please care to the vineyard with such detail that not even the littlest thing escapes your attention? Would you pay so close attention? Here, I'll actually do it with you because I know that on your own you can't do this, so I'm going to do this with you. And I love to, to remind us of this. It's not okay, and if you heard our podcast from a few weeks ago when we talked about holiness, if you haven't heard it, go listen to it. It's just a conversation between Kyle and I about holiness. And what we realized is that it's not okay for us to search our own hearts. It's not okay for us to go into the prayer closet and go, okay, God, I'm going to look for every ugly thing I can find in me. And then I want to confess it all to you so that I can walk out of here better. That's not how this works with God. With God, what he does is he calls us to his chamber, his hidden secret place. He calls us in there. And if he wants to bring it up, he brings it up. We pray, God, search me. How many remember with David when he prayed this in Psalm 139? Search me, O God. You search me and you see if there's any wicked thing in me. Because if there is, I'll deal with it with you. See, here's the thing that we do to ourselves. We look for the ugly things. First of all, how do we know when we find it? Because something may be really ugly to God that we justify. Like, we're really good at that. Anyone else besides me in there, like, really good at arguing our own case? Like, well, here's why I did what I did. God doesn't care why we did what we did sometimes. And so when we come to him, we're like, well, I'll bring these things up, but I'm not going to bring these things up because I've either confessed them to you or they're really not a big deal right now. Who do we think we are? telling God what's going to be brought up to the, to the table on when it comes to repentance. It's up to him. So our prayer should be, search me, oh God. See if there's any small, sly foxes in my life. 
he would recognize them. See, sometimes there's something planted inside of us that will produce a really bad fruit later that we don't even know. Sometimes someone says a curse over us and we believe it and we don't even realize we believe it. You know, this week, uh, a family member of mine, um, a boy at school was just being really rude and mean to her. And how many knows what that means typically when you're in junior high and high school? If a boy's mean to the girl, what's that usually mean? Boy likes girl. All right. Let's see. So she didn't like him. So he decides to, to be really mean and say some things to her that are hideous, like just ugly things to her. Talk, I mean, I, I would love to come meet the little boy and be like, hey, little man, you want to have a little chat? You don't talk about my niece like that. <laughs> But the words he said affected her heart. She didn't even know it. And she began to, her demeanor changed. And my brother-in-law immediately was like, something's wrong. Something's not right. So I won't tell the whole, the whole details. The point is, the words that he said found a place inside of her. And she didn't know how much it affected her until it was brought to the surface by her family. Her demeanor, her shoulders slumped. She, she stopped just fixing herself up. Little bitty signs, just little things. Because what he said mattered more than what God says. And what he said mattered more than what her own father said. I will tell you this. <laughs> Embry did something amazing. He called every person in their family. They just have four. It's Kyle, Janelle, Mallory, and Tyson. And they sat Mallory in the middle. And starting with her brother, who's 12, so beautiful. I was like, Kyle, good. you're a good dad, man. He had Tyson come up and stand in front of Mallory, look her in the eye, and tell her how beautiful she is and how lovely she is and how there's no one like her and name all the things he loves about her. And then when Tyson was done, and Tyson's real sensitive like Matthias, and he's crying, like it doesn't take long for him to cry. And then here comes Janelle, my sister, telling Mallory who she is. And then Embry says, I'm your dad. And what I say over you matters more than what anyone else has to say over you. And the people in this room, it matters the most. What's the point? Sometimes we don't know how things affect us. And we need God to pull them to the surface. The small foxes, the little lies. Sometimes we say them about ourselves. My self-talk for my whole life has been horrible. I'll drop something and say, you idiot. I'll say, you stupid, stupid. I'll say that to, uh, like. Why am I calling myself? I'm not stupid. I'm brilliant. <laughs> I think I'm brilliant. So I should say that over myself instead of stupid or the things that we lie to ourselves or how things can affect us and we don't even know it when we're rejected. Have you ever felt rejection before? And we like to put our big boy pants on, big girl pants on and move on like, oh, I'm okay. I'm tough. And we move on. And sometimes we don't even know till years later how much that reject rejection affected us. And here's what he's saying to her. You have felt rejected. You have felt ugly. You felt unloved. But you're my favorite. You're the best of all of them. I want you to take care of the small foxes with me. Those lies that you've believed. Those things that have dried out your heart. Those things that have caused your heart to become hardened. I want you to come alive again. And so I hear the Lord saying to us today, would you deal with those small things? Now, again, don't go looking for them. Ask him. See, that's Holy Spirit's job. He loves to do that. He's the searchlight. I mean, think of Holy Spirit as a searchlight. He searches the deep places in us and he pulls them to the surface. And so he's telling her, deal with those small foxes. Y'all still with me? 
All right. So after that, she responds to him. I know my lover is mine and I have everything in you. For we delight ourselves in one another. But until the day springs to life and the shifting shadows of fear disappear, turn around, my lover, ascend the mountain of separation without me. So basically she's saying, I'll come to you another day. And then you'll read in the next chapter, she awakens with passion for her lover in the middle of the night. And she's like, where's my lover? Where has he gone? Because he came to me and he's trying to to call me into marriage, into this intimate relationship. And I said, we'll do it another time. And she gets up from her bed chamber. She goes to the door and she opens it. She's like, where did he go? He was just here. And she runs out in the street and she's looking for her lover and she can't find him. And then suddenly she sees him. She's like, oh, there he is. And then she responds to this call that he has. In chapter five, I want to read this in Song of Solomon, chapter five, verse four. She says this, chapter five, verse four. My beloved reached into me to unlock my heart. Mm. That's what I want to happen today, that he would reach into us and unlock our heart. She says, the core of my very being trembled at his touch. How my soul melted when he spoke to me. I don't know if it's one person. I don't know if it's five people. I don't know if it's someone on the podcast. But I do know that someone's heart has been locked up. It's locked up. There's been walls built around it. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if the lies, if, if things have been done that have created these walls. You know, we talked about this, that we can build walls and keep bad things out. We think we can try and build walls and keep people away, but you also keep the good out when you build those walls. And, and what the Lord wants you to know today is it's okay to let the walls down. It's okay to let the barriers down. It's okay to remove those, the, the thorn bushes or the moat that you've put around your heart with the crocodiles in it. It's okay to remove that stuff because he's safe. And what will happen is that when you open your heart to him, he will come live inside of you and then he will become the moat with the crocodiles in it. He will become your protector and defender. So the Lord today wants to unlock your heart. And then chapter six, verse six, it says, the shining of your spirit shows how you have taken my truth to become balanced and complete. This is him talking to her now. He says, the shining of your spirit, the glow that you carry shows that you've heard my cry to you, my call to you, and you have said yes, and it has completely transformed you into a whole, complete person. Who wants to be complete, whole, mature, not, no issues, no wounds in the heart, no old past stuff we're carrying along with this right now, completely set free? Here's the answer to that. Just saying yes to him. Now, I'm going to close out with this. We're really early today. <laughs> it's like 1040 plus in our, in our mind. <clears throat> so, when, so when my dad preaches, he has a style. He has a gift. I don't have the same gift that he has. Like, I don't have that same, man, when he, he preaches the house down. Like, he needs an organ behind him, right? I mean, like, he gets down, dude. That's my dad. Um, I've always been the very, like, more sensitive. I've cried my whole life. I, he even used to say, you're too sensitive. You need to toughen up. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably true. And so then you toughen up to a point, but that sensitive thing doesn't leave you. And 
So when someone asks, like, what do you, like, I think Amber asked it, Mark and Amber were saying, so your dad carries this thing, what do you, what do you think you carry? He's like, I'm not really sure. And, and they said, we think you just carry, like, this romantic relationship with God. Like, because she, she's here with me in the office, like, they get to, they get to see how, <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain it. I just love Jesus. Like, it. It's been there since I was a kid. I've told you this a few times, but I'm the, this is so cheesy. I'm the guy that would sit in my room with the Kenny G CD playing, just the music, and I would write love songs to God. Like, I would just sing in my room, and I've done that since I, I can remember as I was little. Um, now, like, I can't help it. My favorite part of service is the worship time. I, I, I will, like, people are like, we need to cut service short. I'm like, we're not cutting worship, so get over it. We're going to praise Jesus. Like, that's just going to happen. We'll preach the word, but we're going to praise the Lord. So we need to probably even worship longer. So y'all get your, um, your marathon worshiping going, your heart ready for it. But like, I, I love it. Like, I get lost. Like, I, I can't talk about, like, reading this with Mandy last night. I was like, dude, I this is how he feels about me. And this is how I feel about him. And so I feel like I can stand here today and say, this is the area. This is something that I can impart to the house. This is something that I can talk about with some measure of knowing, like I know how to love Jesus. I know how to, to let him deep into my heart. And I've been down the path of, of sexual abuse. I've been down the path of, path of people taking advantage. I've been down the path of wanting bad things to happen to those people. I've been down that place I've been in that place where I treated women poorly because of things that were done. I've been down that path. I understand that. But God made me a new creation and something shifted. And Mandy can tell you more than anyone that I am, no, I am nowhere near the man that she married. Like, the, the, just the, and I know some of that as we get older and our testosterone level drops a little, but we soften up as we get older as men. We just like, we cry more, like we're more sensitive. Um, but that thing, that there's this thing in me, I just want us to be a church that loves Jesus really well. I, I, I want to be good at a few things and I want to do them the best. Like, we may not be able to do all the things all the churches do, but the things that we're really good at, we want to do really well. And the top of that list is the presence of God, being good at the presence of God. And so my prayer today is that you would take this Song of Solomon and you'll begin to read it every day. Read it, read it, read it, read it. Because God is looking for a bride that's in love with him the same way he's in love with her. He's looking for people that will turn their heart to him in affection and be, be brave. Like, go past that chicken line of, is it safe? Like, how many of you ever, how many remember if you've been married, if you've been in love before? Like, it's scary, right? Like, the first time you tell, tell them you love them, like, you're like, are they just say, thank you, you know, move on. <laughs> like, you're really feeling this and you picture in your head how it's going to work out, you know, like, there's this thing of expressing love to someone and, and the fear of them not feeling the same way you do. Here's the cool thing about God. There's no chance that you can express your great love for him and him be like, thank you. Thanks for that. Oh, I know. I know everything. He is going to respond with a lavish kiss. He's going to respond with passion. He's going to respond with affection. Then he's going to do things in your life all over the place to draw your attention to him. 
Weird things happen to me, and it's, 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 it's like this. It's a love affair. I'm driving down the road. I see a number on a sign, and as I'm reading the number on the sign, a radio station that's not the same advertisement will say the exact same number as I'm reading that sign. Like weird stuff, like 1147, I'll, I'll hear it, and it's on the sign. I see it at the same time. I like Years ago, I was like, why is that so stupid? Why does that happen to me? And God says, I just want you to know I'm present. I just want you, when you see those things, know that I'm present. And if I can line up the whole world where that sign's there and you're driving at that exact moment and on the radio, the same thing comes out. If I can do that, I'm involved in your life. Weird things happen. I see the the numbers change. The neighbors, their dog's name is Harley. Our dog's name is Harley. Weird stuff. And I'm like, God's in every little detail, every detail. It's all about the passionate love affair. It's not God showing off like, look what I can do. He's saying, look what I can do. Let's be in relationship. Come on. Come into relationship with me. Become intimate with me. Respond to the call. Deal with the stuff you need to deal with, right? So Jesus, we ask. (laughs) Right now, would you stand Let's start here. So if in the middle of this service, the Lord responded or reminded you or revealed um, a wall, a barrier, a wound, um, something came to your mind, it was triggered, that you're like, man, I really want that to be dealt with. If that happened to you today, that's what I want to pray for first. So Father, those walls that we've built, those barriers that have kept us locked up, I ask right now that they would be destroyed in Jesus' name. The lies that we have believed, hmm. the voices we have believed above yours, we pull those things down right now in Jesus' name. Father, I ask that you would replace the lies with truth. I ask that you would replace the voices that have wounded us with your voice that actually heals us. See, the Bible says, I'm saying this over you if that was you. He sends his word and heals our disease. So the words that have wounded in replace, he's going to send words that heal. And there are going to be people that are prophesying over you. Someone's, this week, you're going to find the most encouraging, sweet people. Everywhere you go, someone's going to say something sweet and nice about you. And I want you to remember this moment. You're going to be like, oh, it's God saying how much he loves me. It's God saying, I've got this. I'm telling you, strangers are going to come up and say, your hair is so beautiful. I love your outfit. I love that way you shaved that bald head. (laughs) Something. This week, someone's going, people are going to encourage you. And I want you to say, it is from that person, but it's God saying, I'm in every detail of your life. Don't be afraid to open your heart to me. See, Father, I ask that you would open all of our hearts to you even more. We can handle more. Like the the Shulamite woman says, how can I even handle more of his love? God, we can, and we're asking for more of your love in our life. We're asking for more more of that connection with you. In Jesus' name. So some of you are going to be unlocked. These things are going to be broken down. The second thing I want to pray for is 
For fruitfulness. And we want to be fruitful. All right, this is for you. For fruitfulness. The Bible says that we will bear fruit, much fruit. John 15 says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me, see the language, it's the same language. If you abide in me and I abide in you, it's the Song of Solomon love language. If you are in me and I'm in you in intimate relationship, you will bear much fruit. Away from me, you can do nothing. But with me, you will bear much fruit. So would you grab your neighbor's hand or touch their shoulder, find someone, and we're going to pray that fruitfulness would begin to, to manifest in greater measure in our lives. Father, we ask that our intimate connection with you will cause fruitfulness. I know that it is impossible to be connected to you and intimate with you and not see fruitfulness. Hmm. So God, I, I pray for the rains to come and I pray for fruitfulness to spring up on the right and the left. Fruitfulness for us, fruitfulness for future generations. Some of the fruit that we manifest right now is for us to eat in this season right now. Some of it is for a later date. But God, I declare that there will be fruitfulness and not just in one area of our lives. Father, I pray that this fruitfulness would, would reach into every place every heart, every nook and cranny of our life, that everything will begin to manifest great fruitfulness. Fruitfulness in, in favor, fruitfulness in loving relationships, fruitfulness in stewardship, fruitfulness in favor. Come on. Hmm. And we thank you and we love you. Would you pray for your neighbor to be, be just crazy fruitful? <laughs> you will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. I declare that over everyone here. Jared, you will bear much fruit. Prophesy over yourself. I will bear much fruit in my life. I'm going to be healthy in every area. I'm going to be complete and whole in every area. Everyone in this room, you will be healthy and complete in every area. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Everybody good? Everybody okay? Thank you for coming out today. If you want prayer for anything that we didn't talk about, meet me here at the front. There'll be other people here at the front to pray. We just bless you. We pray that good things happen for you. <clears throat> Most of all, we pray that you would hear his call to intimacy. Would you, let's just close that prayer. Father God, I pray that you would help me tune my heart to your call for intimacy. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Well, be well. All your families be well. In Jesus' name, have a great spring break. 